Malachi 4.1. For Come behold, up. the day is coming and burns like an oven. Amen. And all the proud, yes, all who is wickedly will stumble, will be stumbled. Amen. And on the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. That will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, is that you? For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for there shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. With the statues and judgments, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming in the great and the dreadful day of our Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers, lest I strike the earth with a curse. The one association is full of sons, and there's a reason for that. Amen. Because it's been well fathered. Yes. Amen. In everything that has been spoken to you, in everything given to you, thorough teachings, clear, concise, and raw explanation. You're here because something was not right. And the solution is in this place. If you were fatherless, if you were orphaned, if you were broken, and a solution showed up at your doorstep in the form of a man or a woman or a family, and you were healed all of a sudden, and your children were affected from that, and your children's children were affected because of that. What would you pay? What would you give? What would you not give away in order to have that? Saints, the heart of the one association. What we've been telling you is there are souls crying from across the planet just like you cried once and a solution is coming their way. The weapons that we have been telling you about that were placed in your hands, if you think that they were just our teachings and our doctrines alone, they are not. Why? Because where do those teachings and doctrine land? They land in the hearts of men, and the men who actually are obedient to that, those things become the fathers in this house, the kings in this house. We want to talk to you tonight about an urgent intercession. And I'm going to just put it right out there for all you prayer warriors. We're not talking about words alone. We're talking about actions. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Eric said earlier how excited he was because uh, Mike and I had preached together before. And I guess you could count it as that. But back in the day, I wasn't quite ready to preach with him, so he used me as a sermon illustration. Uh, so, but he did let me 
box the air for 20 straight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> At a pace. Yeah. At a pace. Told me if I slow down, he said, don't slow down your pace. So over a decade later, I finally get to stand on the same stage with him. Amen. And preach with him. Amen. So if you ask me to do a sermon illustration tonight, no, no. <laughs> Big Massey. <laughs> you can flip to the book of Numbers for us. And uh, we're going to do our best to share with you what the Lord has placed upon our hearts. It's going to be a very special night. Tomorrow is going to be a very special day. I'm excited to be here for Luke and Abby. I can say it even though it makes me sound old. Where's the time gone? Man, long days, short years. You heard the sound of my voice and you're back in the back and you're hungry for something that the Lord has to say. Don't be afraid to press yourself to the front. Don't suppose that the words will just fly across every head and land at you. Pretend somebody's going to steal it on the way. And press in because the Lord's calling out souls tonight for the purpose of what the Lord wants to accomplish in Europe. Intercession is a must. And intercession is indeed that ancient weapon that we must constantly be reminding ourselves of. But perhaps we have some misconceptions of intercession. Like you can just pray and that's good enough. Well, if you're contending and interceding, then yes. But that's agonizing. Makes your chest hurt. Might make your nose bleed. It might give you a headache. You might lose sleep. But I'm talking about intercession. That means you're interceding. If you're willing to fight and be called an intercessor, that's fine. We don't count Insta-chat TikTok prayer warriors who never leave their room as prayer warriors. That's getting popular today. I want to address a couple things in this room. I wonder if there's any folks in this room that still feel a little disconnected from what the Lord is building. If it's because you're sitting in the back, move to the front. I wonder if there's anyone that feels disgruntled about the revelation and the direction of the gathering this year. Maybe there's these underlying desire to negate the truth and thereby the application of the truth of what is required of your life so that you can be an intricate part of what the Lord is building. And we need you. Pastor Jake reinforced with great power the other night that if what God is speaking is indeed what God is speaking, if it's God, we're without excuse not to give our all. That's right. We have no excuse. If you feel disconnected,
Oh, my son. But if you feel disconnected, maybe that means get close to him. Come on. How could I not pour everything I have into making sure this king stands where he's supposed to stand? Long live the king! Is everybody in Numbers chapter 16? I don't want anybody to feel disconnected. Pastor Jake reinforced this, and I loved it. And there may rest in some of our hearts this selfish perspective. Guys, if that's not healed and we don't turn to the power of the Holy Ghost, that selfish perspective will disconnect you from what Yahweh God is doing. No one in this room has to be disconnected from what Yahweh God is doing. Nobody has to be disconnected. Maybe some feel insignificant. And so your current request for participation in this endeavor, it seems unnecessary. It's unnecessary that I participate. I'm pretty insignificant. Not true. It's not, not true. But you see, the enemy can hit us with these lies. For others, there's fear or insecurity of how little or unknown your part may be. The Lord will give you victory by helping you find satisfaction in that you obeyed. The king's going to transform our perspectives tonight. And he's going to do so in dramatic fashion. And I'm telling you, we're in a space that hardly has room for an altar call. But if the spirit of the Lord descends upon your heart and breaks you, then take care of it even while we're preaching. Repent instantly. You don't need music. You don't need to compel you. If the Holy Ghost drops and convicts you and reveals something to you, take care of it. Because we need you. In this message, we're certain that Jesus is going to transform us and that we have to do this together, that revelations are going to be more and more real in our life. The family standing on this platform the other day those families they need us I'm going to ask a couple more questions to deal with our hearts have you walked out of these services and retired to your room only to complain with a subtle disdain Have you, have you, has anyone walked out of this room and had conversations with people regarding, I can't believe they have the audacity to say such things. Brothers and sisters, we petition you. Don't allow the pride of life to rob you of the opportunity to be a part of what is clearly a mighty move of God. It's our responsibility in this generation to be the intercessors who turn the tide. There's a satanic attack plaguing the land, seeking to thwart the forward progress of the gospel. Will we take our stand? Yes. Will we take our stand? Yes.
Come on, you know what the word says? The gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. Let's go to Numbers chapter 16. When you get to number 16, let's go to verse 43 together. Let's go to 43. Then Moses and Aaron came in front of the tent of meeting. And the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, Get away from this congregation so that I can consume them instantly. Moses is a man standing in a place that preserves God from busting his own people. Get away from this congregation so that I can consume them instantly. It says, then they fell on their faces. Moses said to Aaron, Here's how we usually read it. Take your censer, put it in the fire on the altar, lay it on the incense. Would you, would you think that Moses spoke that way at all? No. The Lord speaks to Moses and said, I'm going to destroy them instantly. You get out of the way. And Moses, with this sense of urgency, says to Aaron, take your censer, put it on the fire of the altar, lay incense on it and bring it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them quickly quickly I need to make atonement for them he felt this on himself get it quickly Aaron God's going to destroy his people Lay the incense on it and bring it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for the wrath of God has gone forth from the Lord and the plague has begun. Aaron did as Moses said. When there's a curse that plagues the land, men must intercede. Yes. Will you... Stand in between the living and the dead to stop the plague. You know, if you walk 30 steps behind you, it's a demon house. You're standing between the dead and the living. You are the intercessors that are needed in this hour to accomplish the work that he's calling us to accomplish. Intercession is not merely praying, it's interceding. Intercession is fighting. Intercession is warring. Intercessor is laboring. Intercession is giving. Intercession is standing in the breach. Psalm chapter 106, verse 23. Therefore he said, I would have destroyed them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. You know how an intercessor thinks? What if I wasn't there? Then what? What if Moses wasn't there in Numbers chapter 16? What if these men and their families don't arrive? Are you willing to take that chance? No. We're not. But it requires all of us. Exodus 32. You could flip there for, for fun. And Revelation. 
Revelation chapter 32, a lot of headings say Moses and the golden calf. I'd like to suggest we rename that to Moses and the golden opportunity. Yeah, that's Come right. On. That's right. Come on. Exit is 32. Picking up in verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people. They are an obstinate people. Now let me alone that my anger may burn against them and mine may destroy them. You ever picked up on this sentence? I will make you a great nation. Golden opportunity. The Lord will wipe away everything he's done. And I'll make you a great nation. Well, Moses was in covenant-keeping intercessor. A covenant-keeping intercessor. The chance to gain credibility. What would you do? You heard the Lord say, they're obstinate. Let's do away with them. Me and you will start a new thing. Moses is a golden opportunity, guys. But his heart was after the Lord's. Could you imagine having such a passion to fight over, to fight with the Lord regarding what you know was his promise, and you love him so much that you're not willing to even see him get angry and go back on what his word is? That's an intercessor. That's what intercessors do. If a week from now these men wanted to quit, an intercessor would say, no, God called you. What do we have to do to get there? I'll take you there myself. Yes, that's right. That's right. This may have been a golden opportunity, but Moses stood in the gap. Yes, he did. The, the hand of the Lord was stayed because of an intercessor. We live in a generation where we've called it the times of Jeremiah. The time where there's a plague of fatherlessness. We can call this many things, but it's clear. It's dark outside. Amen. Yeah, that's true. Amen. There's a lullaby over the land where many people profess to follow Jesus and gather and listen to the seductive, beautiful sounds of worship music with his name stamped all over it. And they show up week after week, day after day, and sit in the same chairs like we sit in. And they do absolutely nothing with the convictions on their hearts. Saints, intercession is not what we do verbally. Intercession is what we do with our hands and with our feet. We pray with our feet, saints. We war with our bank accounts. We take our labors and our efforts and we leverage them for the kingdom or we do not intercede at all. Whatever you're listening to that gets you to a place where you sit and soak and you want to feel the presence of God and that you want to do that at that special place and that special event, but you never walk out those doors and actually put it into practice is a demonic lullaby seducing you to do nothing with what was given to you and we're talking about you those who have a little Athaliah in them Zeke's going to tell you a testimony of men 
like many of you in here. And when you hear about these men and you say you admire them, but you don't find this in your life, then we are talking about you. And we hope that we're only aiming at the 1% tonight. But I think that might be a little greater than that. I fell in love with a man named Daniel Nash upon reading about him. Everybody's in love with Charles Finney and his, uh, his works, his writings, and his preachings are incredible. But I want to speak to intercession for a moment because a lot of times you hear about the men that prayed. You associate, we associate that with intercession and then it stops right there. Like in, if you say, if you hear someone say, I'm an intercessor, you think maybe they have a pretty good prayer life and that's about all they accomplish. So people hear about Daniel Nash, and he was Charles Finney's prayer warrior. Well, that must have been easy, right? Well, not if you take the time to read about his life. At 40 years old, he started a church. Amen. He helped that church grow for six years, and they experienced revival. Come on. But at 46, the congregation thought, this man's a little aged, and he's probably a little rough around the edges. So we're going to get rid of him for a younger model. Daniel Nash experienced the heartache associated with being rejected. Now listen, I need everybody in the room to hear these testimonies and imagine that the Spirit of the Lord will use them to work your heart. Forty years old, amazing works of God, 46 Booted out of his church, but when they can't find anybody to fill the pulpit, what do you do? Well, you got to call him back in. Every time he comes back in, what do you think happens? This move of God. Come on! So he's back and forth, so you can imagine he's in turmoil. Nash wasn't Charles Finney's intercessor just because he prayed. He was Charles Finney's intercessor because he stood in the gap for him. He contended for him. Yeah. He helped his brother hit the mark. Yes. In essence, Father Nash is what they called him. He helped Charles Finney hit the mark. Did he just pray? No, I got to share a couple testimonies with you Tell to show him. you how he didn't. Anybody like to hear it? <laughs> I'm going to read to you, thank the Lord Mike brought his computer, as long as he lined these notes up right, we'll be in good shape. <laughs> You're doing just fine. I can't wait to hear about this man. <laughs> I'm going to read to you two things written by Charles Finney himself about Daniel Nash. One's the first time he met him, and one is a time where they're in a meeting, probably similar to this, and uh, there's a company of men that just want to start trouble, okay? Mm -hmm. That's happened a lot in every avenue of life. Thank God there's a lot of entertainment out there. Nobody's really interested in bothering us. But if it wasn't so, they'd be banging on the doors trying to disrupt. And this demon house behind us, it can't stop us. Here's Charles Finney's uh, actual account when he first met Daniel Nash. At this meeting of the presbytery, 
I first saw Reverend Daniel Nash, who is generally known as Father Nash. He was a member of the Presbytery. A large congregation was assembled to hear my examination. And I got in a little bit late. And I saw a man standing in the pulpit speaking to the people, so I supposed. And I looked. And I observed as I came in that he was looking at people as they were walking up and down the aisles. And it looked like he was talking to them. But the closer I got, I observed as I listened that he was actually praying. Standing there with his eyes open. It looks like he's talking to people, but he's praying. And so I was surprised to see him looking all over the house like he was talking to people when in fact he was talking to God. And of course it didn't sound to me much like prayer. Because at that time, I suppose that he was in a very cold and backlidden state. That's what Charles Finney said about <laughs> Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash is the man who went into cities weeks before Charles Finney yeah. and laid on cold cellar yeah. floors yeah. with his face buried in yeah. the cement, yeah. praying for revival. Yes. If you think intercession is just prayer... Well, then I hope you're contending in prayer. But the next example will help us even further. It shows us how there must be feet to our faith. Yes. If you're going to intercede for someone, you interact with them. Yes. yes. So, on one occasion, Finney was met with aggressive opposition from a company of young men who were causing a ruckus at one of their meetings. Both Finney and Nash committed the issue to great prayer. A lot of us in here, we just instantly want to fight. I like fighting. But if it's in my flesh, I'm learning to hate it. Amen. I want to fight so that I have eternal victory. Yes. So they, they prayed and they prayed until they received confidence. By the way, this wasn't an isolated thing. He went into a community. He called out at least three or four men. They went into a covenant together, and they prayed with power. Yes. There are several written records of men from almost three-quarters of a mile away hearing these men contend in prayer. Wow. And they're so agitated, they hunt down the noise, and in many times they were converted. But it, no, don't miss that because you think he just said, you could hear them three and a half miles away, and that's not computing in your mind. But three quarters. Three, three quarters, yep. sorry. Three quarters. Yep. Three quarters of a mile away yeah. in an outside setting. Yes. Three quarters of a mile. Anybody got that contemplative prayer thing going mm -hmm. where you float and get seduced by that fancy music, and you're like, I feel the Lord. Maybe. When he flows through you, You'll know it, and you'll have a hard time containing it. Yeah. They prayed until they got confidence. Yes. And then they approached the conflict with a new sense of courage. They walked into the meeting place. It was packed. And off to the side, guess who was there? The little company of rebel rousers. <laughs> For your enjoyment tonight, let me read 
Finney's actual words of that night's account. Come on. The meeting house was full. Near the close of the meeting, Brother Nash arose and he addressed those men who had joined hand in hand to resist the revival. You think he's just laying out in the woods praying? When Finney needed a fighter, he called that man inside the house to fight for him. Yes. So Brother Nash addressed them. These men were, as it's written, brazen-faced and stiff-necked. And it was apparent to everybody. Brother Nash addressed them earnestly. And he pointed out the guilt and danger of the course they were taking. And towards the close of his address, he waxed exceeding warm. And he said to them, you mark me, young men. God will break your ranks in less than a week, either by converting some of you or by sending some of you to hell. Wow. He will do this as certainly as my Lord is my God. He was standing behind a pew where he brought his hand down on top of the pew and it made the pew thoroughly jar. And he sat down immediately and his head dropped. And he let out a groan of agony and pain that made the whole place go quiet as a mouse. Finney writes, the house was still as death. Most people held their heads down. I could see that the young men were agitated. For myself, I regretted that Brother Nash had done this. He had committed himself that God would either take the life of some of them or send them to hell or convert some of them within a week. However, on Tuesday morning of that same week, the leader of these young men came to me and he was in great distress of mind. He was all prepared to submit and as soon as I came to press him, he broke down like a little child and he confessed and he manifestly gave himself to Christ. Wow. And then he said, what should I do, Mr. Finney? Yes. And I replied, you go immediately to all your young companions and you pray with them and you exhort them at once. Turn to the Lord. Yeah. And he did so. Yeah. And before the week was out, nearly, if not all, of the young men were hoping in yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. The intercessor helps the men of God hit their mark. Come on. Why are we mentioning this to you today? Because intercessors act. Intercessors stand. Yes. Intercessors fight. Yes. Intercessors give. Intercessors pray. But it's a contending prayer. Yes. They do whatever it takes in obedience to the words of God to uphold His work. And they don't think... I don't want you to think it's merely prayer. It's intercession. Yes. Intercession. That's what Daniel was doing. And war breaks out in the heavenlies. Yes. When Jacob's wrestling with God. The time is now for intercessors to take their place. Yes. And build the wall. Why? Because we are on the precipice yes. of the greatest expansion of the gospel that our community has ever experienced. And all you want to do is say you pray for it. All right, so I'm going to give you some slack. Maybe you do. 
That's all I want to do is pray for them. And tell me the name of all seven, all 23 that are going. Come tell me all their names. You contend for the Massey family? That would include all of them? You know their names? You know Nicholas, Lucius, Finn, Mariah? You know Nick Massey? Danielle Massey? Have you uttered their name? Praying for them and contending for provision? Do you know Peyton and Hannah Parsons by name? Do you call out for River and Barzillai and Bezalel by name? If you're contenders, you will. Don't tell me you're just going to pray if you don't know their names. You know Judah and Sasha Stevens? You know Titus, Benaiah, Yoshev, and Jehu? You're a contender, right? You're going to learn their names. But you're going to do more than that. Do you know Pastor Nick and Sam Arajina? Arajina. Do you know AJ? Mm. Come on. You hear her preach? You know Ezra? Elisha? By name? Wow. If you're going to contend in intercession, you will. In the name of Jesus. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 22. Verse 23, say, long live the king when you get there. Long live the king. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 23. Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the land, you are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the day of wrath. This is a conspiracy of the princes within her, like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour the people. They take treasures and precious things and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy nor the common. They teach not their they teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean. Amen. They shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbath, so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to take unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord He's not spoken. The people of the land practice extortion and, co- and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and the needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I looked, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Saints, I found out in Dickon, Texas, that there was a dramatic need all of a sudden and that when we were sent there, that we were outside being placed inside the land as an indictment to those who were already there, 
but as a grace and mercy of our Lord to make sure that the work got done in that place. We are now hearing the cries and the groans across in the European nation of the same thing. And God's sending outsiders to do an insider's work because there was no one to intercede. There was no one to stand in the gap. How do we do that? Do we pray for them from afar? No, we send our best. We send our best. Intercession looks like when you give your best, when you send your best, when you sacrifice your best. How great is that cry coming from the from from Europe? It has to be great. You can hear it from here. I can hear the father's heart grieving in this particular passage as the spirit of of adoption that says, if you want to keep neglecting your children, I will step in and be a father for them. Have we heard that voice in this place this weekend? I will steal them if I have to. Maybe that's why some of you feel something in the background trying to steal your children. It might not be demonic. It might be the Lord because it's your job and it may not be getting done. Revelation 8, 26, that says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's a terrifying thing for me as a minister of the gospel when praying with the people of God and you have people weeping on the altar and and they go from petitioning the Lord to Lord I'm at the altar and I need this thing from you right to then praying where the Lord's speaking to them and they're getting it and then they slip into something a little deeper and they begin to groan because they've connected with the Lord and all of a sudden it's like a holy moment and I just got to like go somewhere else you ever feel that some of you ministers understand what I'm I'm like yeah that's that's just holy How long has it been since your prayers were holy? How long has it been since your prayer moved you to groans? And the reason that you're groaning is because it's not you. But the spirit is groaning inside of you because something needs to be done. You don't groan when everything's completed. You don't groan when everything's done. You groan in the spirit because something's not yet. Yeshua said, they will fast when, when, the, when the bridegroom is gone. Not when he's right beside them. When the bridegroom is gone, they'll fast. Because something's not complete. Saints, what was the oath? Our very first oath. I'll read it for you. Having tasted of the age to come, I will never fail to boldly advocate for the personal and corporate manifestation of the gifts how many of you read that and you think oh you mean like you're gonna go across the planet spend everything you have every effort you have to make sure people speak in tongues you think that's that's not the manifestation of the gifts the the manifestation of the gifts is the it's the spirit of the martyr it's when men show up And say, my life is a gift to these people. 
And it's now manifest. Somebody's crying out and they're, help me, help me. We want to love Jesus. We want to follow him. But every one of our leaders is defective. Is there a man of God that will actually be faithful? And a man of God shows up and the gift of God manifests right before them. That's the manifestation of the spirit. The last time that you saw something that pure was God in the flesh. Messiah Yeshua. Intercession is the most tangible manifestation of the gift of the spirit. And intercession, when it manifests in its fullness, you can touch a man like this who shows up in your life and says, brother, what do you need? Whatever you need, I got What's it going to cost me? I don't care. I've already answered that question. I'm not negotiating with an enemy nor calculating in my mind. I have no senses to take. Isaiah chapter 59, please. If you will. Isaiah chapter 59. Pick up in verse 15. Truth is lacking. And all who turns aside from evil, evil makes himself a prey. And now the Lord saw. And it was displeasing in his sight. That there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man. Can we pause there for a second? He saw there, there was no justice. Think's a little serious, and I might be too, but what's injustice look like? What, what if your what if your child was molested or raped or that's injustice, right? And no one was there to do anything about it. How would you what would you do? Very true. What wouldn't you do? Says he saw there was no man. No man. And he was astonished that there was no one to intercede. But then his own arm brought salvation. Yes, come on. Elder Charlie. His own arm brought salvation. I thought about this a good bit. Isaiah chapter 59, how could there be no one to intercede? I mean, surely there's some prophets floating around. And in the context of this time, perhaps a few shepherds or ministers. People doing the religious thing. But he says there's no intercessor. There's no one to stand in the gap. No one. Might make you think of Ezekiel 34, where he talks about shepherds that scatter the flock, and the flock becomes prey. The church at large, the people are prey, because there's no true leaders. Wow. That's the purpose of this work that the Lord has built, is to raise up true leaders, yes. true prophets of our day, yes. true men of God to stand in the gap. You might think of Jeremiah 23.1. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep. He could look at a land and say, I'm astonished 
Why would you be astonished? Like walking into an NBA stadium and saying, I'm astonished there's no basketball players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's looking at the land and astonished. There's not an intercessor among them. Wow. How could this be? How could this be, How could this be church? He wondered why there was no one to intercede. And he looked and he found a group of men. Yeah. yeah. He put that group of men on like a glove. Yes. Yes. And that hand like a glove. Come on. Wow. When we raise intercessors in this house, it's when predator becomes prey. Amen. When we turn things around, as we become the apex predator, it's because we're raising men that are actually going to do something right. with what has been invested in them. Some of you may feel like we're off topic for our one association conversation, but I assure you we are right on point. Ibsen was a generational game changer. Ibsen was a man who redirected entire generations. Entire generations. Do you know that every single person in this house represents generations? That's right. That's right. Come on. Ibsen gave 30 daughters, but Ibsen gained 30 son-in-laws, did he not? But Ibsen would have never been able to do it if we were not willing to be a man of intercession. Ibsen was a man who lived a way of life that was able to, without words, say, Long live the king. Long live the king. Jehoiada, in 2 Kings 11, was an intercessor. 2 Kings 11, 9. We're going to read it for you in case you haven't remembered it yet. The commanders of units of a hundred did just as Jehoiada the priest ordered. Exactly right. what he ordered. Right. Each one took his men. Those who were going on duty on the Sabbath and those who were going off duty. And came to Jehoiada the priest. And then he gave the commanders the spears and the shields that had belonged to King David. And that were in the temple of our God. How many of you are searching for weapons outside the house of God when they're sitting right in front of you inside the house of God? The guards, each with a weapon in hand, did what? Stationed themselves, stationed themselves around the king near the altar in the temple from the south side to the north side of the temple. How many of you have uh, read, uh, have, have you? Many of you here have experienced our marriage enrichment or marriage counseling. How many of you remember that Leviticus actually, Leviticus 26 actually defines for you what peace looks like. But when you read it, you went, wait a minute. God's going to grant peace in the land by me going to war? By me actually doing something? By me actually chasing my enemies off? I thought I was just going to get that hippie Jesus where I receive him and he's going to do everything for me and he's going to lay open the way into my utopia on earth. 
No, 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 no. Leviticus is clear. Clear as can be. To establish peace is to make war. Amen? An intercession or an intercessor is just like that. Understanding that you had to change in your mind. And this is what we're aiming at tonight. When Jehoiada saw the neglect of the future kings, he didn't just pray for him. He paid for him. He didn't just pray for him. He paid for him. He risked his life for him. He leveraged his resources for him. He interceded for him. Jehoiada was a man who had to contend with the offspring of Ahab and Jezebel. We heard her. What's her name? I thought we called her a cranky witch. Who's that? Too much crank makes you a cranky witch. I got you. She was a woman who seemed hell-bent on being a man. That possessed this kind of like passive-aggressive spirit that haunted the next generation of future kings attempting to abort them. Correct? She attempted... To abort their calling before they actually were enthroned. But Jehoiada. Yeah, but Jehoiada. Was not about to let a woman. Who some commentators said. Put on a fake beard and sat on a throne. Thank you. I get, so I give that moment for somebody to respond properly. To passively, aggressively, seductively usurp the throne that belonged to the future kings while great men stood on the front line to win something for Jesus. Jehoiada wasn't going to allow that. Jehoiada was an intercessor who turned the narrative around. Jehoiada was not preoccupied with guarding the front door while Athaliah comes in the back door. Jehoiada was a man of intercession. Jehoiada was a man who would stand in the gap for other men's children. Jehoiada was a man who would take the future kings when other men would not. You want to know what that looks like? You're looking at him. Jehoiada was a man without words. His life seemed, long live the kings. Long live our future kings. Pastor Mike and I were praying a little bit together, and I was reminded of a couple testimonies. And when you use the car, it refreshes your heart and your mind. Regarding the power of the truth that somebody interceded on behalf of you and that you're called to do the same on behalf of others. Yes. Called to stand in the gap. Yes. When I was packing up my stuff to move to Houston, I filled the uh, radiator with antifreeze. I didn't think I'd make it to Tennessee. Uh, by the way, I'm not from Tennessee. <laughs> It was very prophetic. Well, I remember uh, loading up this open trailer. Well, I bore you if I tell you a story for a minute. 
Your heart will be moved by them if you listen. So I hooked the trailer to the Jeep, and I'm out at um, my dad's furniture store loading up a concrete mixer because I'm not going to stand by a stop sign and beg for money, but I know I got to do something to feed Kathleen and the two baby boys that we had. But we loaded the trailer, and it was hard. Because you're going to say, you know, goodbye to a father and you'll see him when you see him. You know, I didn't make it two miles down the road before the trailer broke down. <laughs> so I pull over and my first phone call is my father. Have you ever been curious about who Zach and I's dad is? His name's Tony Lamb. He's sitting in the back this year. Ain't that fun, Spencer, when your daddy comes? He could have said, boy, you sure you're supposed to do this? You made it two miles and your trailer's broke down. And I'm sitting at a gas station. And I know I'm not going to quit but I don't know how to do it much further. And he says, well, let's, we're going to call a U-Haul place. We'll get another trailer. Before I know it, that man's standing beside me on a broke-down trailer to load stuff in a good trailer so that no matter how hard it is, he can make sure his son hits the mark. Tony Lamb's an intercessor. Yes. And I say to you, Dad, that's just the beginning. Your best years are ahead of you. Yes. Come on. What the Lord has to do through your life is the best yes. is ahead of you. Yes. So I drive another 20 miles. And, but this time I have to swing by the local airport. This knucklehead flew in. I probably had hundreds of people praying for me. Probably not that many. But I, I probably had 20 people. That, I, I probably had five people praying for me. <laughs> but I had one man who rode beside me. That's intercession. He helped me hit the mark. He helped me hit the mark. Where's, where's the purpose in our life if we're not helping men hit their mark? Come on, somebody in here has to be tired yes. of playing it safe. Yeah. Yes. Somebody in here has to be fed up yes. with holding back Come on. what the Lord is asking you Come to on. release. He's breaking your heart over it right now as we speak. Yeah. And the reality is it's yeah. not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. Some of you are beginning to weep right now in your seats. Stop resisting it. 
you need to learn how to cry again because dead men don't feel anything. You need to learn how to weep before the Lord. How are you going to be a prophet like Jeremiah in the times of Jeremiah? Could you flip to Hebrews 7 with me? In verse number 25, while you're flipping there, church, I want to say that it's time to awake to a truth that is actually very simple. And it's this, you have what it takes to intercede. And do you know why you have what it takes to intercede? Because Jesus has made intercession for you. Well, once we get to Hebrews 7.25, you'll, you'll learn it's not really read that way. But what will your sacrifice be? Jesus showed you the way. We're pleading with you. From Hebrews 7.25, which says he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives. Somebody say, long live. long live. Listen what the word says in Hebrews 7. He always lives yes. to intercede yes. for them. Yes. Do you know why you can sacrifice? Because he always lives yes. to sacrifice. Do you know why you can fight? Because he always lives to fight for you. <laughs> you know why you can risk it all? Because he always lives. To make intercession for you. Wow. What leap of faith is Jesus speaking to you to make right now? Yeah. And it's not worth anything if, if it isn't actually a leap of faith anyway. That's right. Your heart should be pounding out of your chest because the Lord will only ask a people who are on the precipice of the greatest expansion to do the or take the greatest step of faith maybe you've ever taken in your whole life. Yeah. And that's to become a true person of intercession. Yes. Do you know why you can do it? Because Jesus always lives yes. to make intercession for you. Wow. wow. His word is alive. His words are promises for us to remember. He intercedes for you through something like Matthew 19, 27 through 30, where he says that everyone who leaves houses and brothers and sisters, father or mother or children or farms, for my sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. That word is always alive to intercede for me. Every time I think that I don't have what it takes to actually make the sacrifice that's required, yeah. that word makes intercession. Yes. So does 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully, bountifully. will reap bountifully. I can sow without reservation in my yes. life. I can pray without reservation. Yes. I can give without reservation. Yes. I can go without reservation. Yes. Because this word is interceding on my behalf. Yes. That if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Wow. Let's go back to Hebrews 7.25. We hope to give you a little nugget that will bless your heart. 
Hebrews chapter, uh, yep, Hebrews 7.25, Jesus, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives yes. to make intercession for them. Yes. Do you remember Ibzan? Yes. Father of a target? Yes. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives yes. to intercede for them. Now somebody tell me what Ibzan means. Yes, father of a target. Jesus is an intercessor. The Holy Ghost is interceding on our behalf. Yes. But I want us to talk a little bit about the word intercession as it stands in Hebrews 7.25. You have the first slide that we gave you. Sound booth, media team, that are yes or a no. Intercession. Let's define intercession. Anybody want to give a shot at what that Greek word is? <laughs> you just want me to say it. Intuchanu. Intuchanu. Into Hanu. Come on, you got it. Into Hanu. I know that. <laughs> you know what it's interesting about it? If you pay attention, and I know all of you can see that. <laughs> Into Hanu means to light upon a person or a thing, to fall in with a person or a thing, to hit upon a person or a thing as though to shape them. To go or to meet with a person, especially for the purpose of conversation, consultation, or supplication, intercession. It gets even better than that. This word is a compound word. The first word of that compound word is the word in. In. Which is a preposition that denotes a fixed position in a place, time, or state by implication. In other words, a fixed place. Come on, Pastor Wade. Yeah. Knowing our spot, Station. running in our lane, seeing where the Lord has stationed us and being confident there to hold the ground. Yes. You say, well, you're just making it fit now. No, hold on just a second. There's a second part to that word. Takano means to hit the mark. Wow. That didn't do anything for you. Ibzan, meaning father of a target, we could take a little biblical literary, uh, a, a little biblical leniency here and say, his name is declaring intercession. Yes. His name is making a declaration of intercession because if you look at the Greek word, the way they would perceive it, we think intercession, oh, that's cute. You got a nice prayer life. It's not. That's right. It's somebody from a fixed place who knows how to help someone hit the mark. Yes. That's what an intercessor does. Yes. The one in charge of discharging a javelin yes. or a bow. Yes. The one who helps reach or attain or obtain or become the master of. Yeah. This intercessor, when you break down the word, means from a fixed place, yes. one who helps one hit the target. 
hit the mark. Ibsan, father of a target. Wow. Into genu are men. It's a tough one. Not a thing you do. They are people. Come on. Who have mastered a way of life and have fixed themselves in an irretractable position that empowers future kings to hit their mark. Intercessors. How many yeah. of you are intercessors? Come on. Saints, intercession is not a mystical, unseen thing that happens when you petition God for other needs. That's not intercession. Intercession is when you embody that need. You see it, you own it. Long live the king, long live our kings. Long live the king, long live our kings. They're our kings. If they're given to you in this house, they're our kings. Are you going to pay the price for our kings? Are you going to do what it takes for our kings? They're your kings. Your golden opportunity to stand up and say, no one else is going to father them. I will. No one else is going to pay the cost for them. I get to. Are you fatherless? Maybe. Then we're here. Do you need a family? Of course. Then that's why God brought you here. You are the future kings. And you're going to hit your target. Or we're going to die trying. Go ahead to that first slide for a minute. No, we can keep that one there. Look at what it says. To a light upon. To illuminate future kings. Can you give me that grace? To intercede is to illuminate future kings. In 2010, Pastor Eric took me into his life after being rejected by others and he lavished his life on me. Lavished his light on me. Miss Jen took my Miss Jen in. That happens in discipleship. And she lavished her life on my wife. They took my family in and they lavished their life on my family. They interceded for us, future kings. They interceded for our children. They paid the cost for my family. They gave what it took. It didn't matter what cost. What his intercession looks like? It's when a, a lost, rejected future king shows up at your door at 2 a.m. and says, I'm fighting with my wife, but I don't have the answer. Could you help me? And they say, Of course. Right? Of course. I'm an intercessor. It's who I am. It's not just what I do. It's what I do because it's what I am. That's what intercession looks like. Excuse me, could you come back tomorrow morning? I'll pray for you and we'll just meet you then. No. That's pathetic. That's not what we are in this house. No. Amen. Kings illuminate future kings. Intercessors illuminate 
future kings. What else did they do? They, they fall in line. They fell in with future kings. They saw my life. They didn't just take me in and said, hey, let's have a good time. No, what's the calling on your life? What are you? Who are you? What will it take for you to hit your target? What will it take for you to hit your target? And listen, there's not a cost I won't pay. I'm going to make sure you get there. Whatever it costs me, you're going to hit your target. I'm going to fall in line with your calling. What, the, what, I, what I bear witness with on your life. When I agree with it by the Spirit and the Word lines up to it, I'm going to give my life for you to hit that target. What did you think the men of one association are? I hope you're getting the point. Falling in line. Looks like Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt crawling under my house with sewage in Louisiana because it costs me something to get there. And they say, hey, we want to enter into that with you. We're going to wear it up to here for you. We would actually love to. What do you think that does to a young man who comes in and says, I think the Lord has a call. I think the Lord has some things for me to accomplish. I'm not really sure. And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And let's go to Shatiam and see what happens. It's dangerous up here without me without notes. Falling in line looks at looking at another man's family like Pastor Matt looked at my family and saw a young Devin Hutchinson and put a guitar in his hand and said, hey, son, you can do this. And he says, I'm not really sure. I think I maybe can. He said, I'm going to make sure you can. Anybody blessed by the ministry of that man? There's a reason for that. This man fell in line with what he saw on a future king and said, son, you're going to stay a future king. You're going to be a king. Not only him, Pastor Nick Slaughter, seeing the same thing, taking a young man and saying, man, I, I, I don't see just, I see an anointing on you. Let's cultivate that. Let's, it's the favorite thing we actually like to do together. Amen. Right. On a young man's life and says, we're going to further this. I'm going to take what was started and I'm going to further it. Falling in line, interceding for another man that he might hit a mark. Cassidy loves Dylan, I think more than me. Dylan, she loved Dylan since he's this high. Tells me to this day. That's probably why he's got that little affectionate thing going on in him. I was just whipping him. Somebody else is loving on him a different way. Anna's got a big sister named Abby. She's getting married tomorrow. Uh-oh. It's literally like these families linked arms, right, and created a circle around the Hutchinson family, right, and dared the devil to come do something about it, right? They interceded on our behalf. They put us in the middle and said, come on, we're going to make you make sure you hit your target and there ain't no demon, no devil that's going to take that from you. We're going to make sure it's accomplished in you, right? 
And you know why they could? They had the weaponry of old in their hand. Come on. What else did it say? Make an impact. An intercessor hits on or makes an impact on future kings. You know that intentionality that we have in discipleship where you don't just live in community and keep, the, keep on sinning, but you actually come to live together and be discipled so that you might make a mark on the young man, a mark on the young woman, right? Make a, like a catalyst in someone's life and make an impact upon future kings. The Massey family saw a way of life that was given to us by the other men in this place who had already made a mark on us. They saw it and thought that it was good enough to walk away from a mega scene and everything plush and, every, and resources all over the planet, right? They saw fit to sell their homes and give the entire proceeds to a work and demanded that they move in our living room. Because they knew that they had found a people who would intercede on their behalf to help them meet their mark. It also says they go and meet with future kings. An intercessor always goes to meet with a, how many miles on these vehicles we got? How many vehicles? <laughs> That's my fault. Yeah. Partly. Saints, my calling may have been assassinated a long time ago. If it wasn't for men. Did not that did they did not fail to go and seek me out. They did not fail to pay the price of what it costs to find me where I was at and take me to where they were so that I might actually fight. Like they can fight. Maybe some of you don't understand what it feels like to, to come across a people who love the Lord that will fight for you when nobody else will. You get a witness in the place? In this place? What if Nick Slaughter doesn't invite me into his life to help? Me polish what the Lord asked of me. What if that, what if? Now where we started, what if? What if? What if that man doesn't allow another disciple to come and stand beside him and say, you're going to be my equal because I see things in your life and it's okay. And you're going to go and do other things. What if he does, he could hold on to that and say, no, 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 there's no place for you, right? We're going to help you and hit your target. But over here, just that little distance over here, no, 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 no. I'm going to let you 200% in because that's the only way you possibly hit your target. That's the most phenomenal, selfless ministry I have ever seen. To let other people pass through your life, give them everything that you have and let them go about their way. You know how much that hurts? You know what kind of pain that? That's the life of an intercessor. That's what intercession looks like. Now that man can hit his target and those young men will hit their target. And the man that they minister to will hit their targets. What if I don't make it to Denton, Texas? Pastor Kaysen's not sitting in this place, hitting his own targets. What if? 
What if I don't say yes? What if we don't say yes? Saints, answer the question right now. Is it no or is it yes? Then it's settled. It's done. What we must do going forward is already done. It's just a matter of how much. And the answer to that is already as much as it takes. Can you tell that we can feel an urgency in the air tonight? I brought Zeke for comic relief because I'm serious, but it didn't work. Because when we got together, he's like, man, I feel a burden. And I'm like, (laughs) we're two end time old guys, but we're not the two end time prophets. That's, That's why you brought me? It didn't work. You are called to illuminate future kings, saints. You are called to fall in line with future kings. You must give your life to make an impact on future kings. And you must go and meet with future kings in their endeavors. It's who we are. It's what we do. If that's not you, you can go find somewhere else. But we want you to become kings, future kings. Could you close your eyes and see the men and women awaiting the arrival of these families? Yeah. Hear their prayers right now. Imagine you close your eyes and you see the families awaiting the arrival of our families. From Psalm 106.23, do you remember? I would have destroyed them, but Moses, but Ibzan, but Jehoiada, but you. How will they hear without a preacher? This is our delight, church. This is our delight. Take note of a couple quick things. We call it the marks of the intercessor. Is somebody in here being stirred to rise to the occasion of true intercessor tonight? My God, is he not breaking our hearts afresh? Stand in the gap in a generation. Like Moses, when the plague hits... And he's willing to stand between the dead and the living. You know, that's a dangerous place to stand. But an intercessor is marked with some things that doesn't make them consider such things. The intercessor considers nothing of their own. The Lord is stirring your heart regarding many things. And among those is how you and I are going to help financially get our brothers into the territory where they're needed. If it's hard to give it away, perhaps we examine 
If we have the mark of an intercessor, they don't consider anything their own. Intercessors have a sense of urgency. I wonder how many people in this room are waiting to get out of this meeting so they can get out of this setting. And the heavy weight will lift from your shoulders. And we can open our phones and have our minds go in a thousand different directions at the click of a button. If we could just get to the room, start making some food and check the scores, maybe it'll lift. I'm sad to know that maybe for some that'll actually happen. But for some, this is not going to lift. You're going to walk out thinking the weight will lift and the weight will get heavier. Yes. And it'll get heavier and it'll get heavier because the Lord's urging you to respond and it feels like the scariest thing on the planet. But the longer you delay, the harder it is. An intercessor has this mark and it's called urgency. Yes. An intercessor also is armed. Yes, he is. I'm sad to think of my brothers and sisters in this room who consider themselves unarmed. Yeah. Pastor Eric spoke it in the opening message of this year's conference. We should see ourselves as the most dangerous entity on the planet. The mark of a true intercessor is that they are armed. A Rosales brother here, you're, you're a future king, brother. Yes, that's you're right. an intercessor. Yes. Luke, it's you. You have this urgency about your demeanor, Luke. And it's coupled with joy. Yeah. And that's unique. And you don't have to force either of those. Yeah. You can let them be what they are. You're an urgent man and you're a joyful man. The Lord is causing intercessors to arise. And you know what happens when intercessors arise? We have provisions. Yes. We have contending prayer. You guys blessed us tremendously last year, and we have money to begin our building. And here's what's cool. One day, hmm, all of you will walk in that building. Yeah, That's right. And you'll be able to think in your mind, my gift helped contribute to the construction of this building. That's a blessing, isn't it? Yes. What's being asked of us this year is actually even more beautiful. You may not ever get to walk in a building with what you're getting ready to sow. You may never see a structure. You may never, you may never get to go into anything and say, on it, I helped put that up.
that you'll know every time you pick up a son or daughter of this house. Come on. That you've interceded. Yes. When you gather your families in your living room and you pray, not a Polly want a cracker prayer, but you lay before the Lord and you plead for these families and you groan. You, when, the next time you see them, wow. nobody will know it, but you'll take it, you'll, you'll kneel down. Lucius, you'll kneel down and you'll hug him and you'll know your family gathered weekly to contend for the future kings. What's being asked of us is not a burden. No. What's being asked of us is one of the greatest gifts that a man could ever be afforded. And that's the opportunity to have your name put in a spot like Moses yeah. or Ibzan yes. or Jehoiada yes. or Nehemiah. Yes. But Moses. But Pat. Yes. But Buddy. Come on. Come on. But Asa. That's right. We're going to close. And even more something special is going to happen. We're not going to close. <laughs> but I'm. We are. We're getting there. The saints, the past generation were satisfied and happy with having their names etched on pews. We are not those people. We're only going to be satisfied when we etch the gospel in the hearts of the nations because we didn't put our names on pews. We put our sons in their cities. The greatest thing Jehoiada ever did was station himself as an intercession in another man's life suffered the consequences Amen. and those consequences were more kings I want you to station yourself tonight embrace yourself like a man because we're going to get more raw with you and get real and we're going to celebrate the end of the night 